Yeah, this is the College Sports Hour. We got Clint and Greg uh-huh. dropping episodes yeah. every week. It's so hype, better believe. Uh-huh. Make sure that you tune in. It's the real deal and I ain't lying. From NCAA to college football on that gridiron. What's good? Yeah, should be understood. In March, we going mad, so stick tuned. Let's get to it. Join that conversation, because you know they keep it rolling. Watching the bases loaded. They love baseball, and you know this. Hey, this is the College Sports Hour. Where it's going down at College Sports Hour. Welcome to the podcast with your host, Clinton Gregg. You don't want to miss this. Giving you the info and plenty of opinions. Yeah. Ready, then let's get it popping. With a former college athlete and a guy who went to college. <laughs> sports, they know all about it. If you love college sports, then you couldn't live without it. Let's go. The College Sports Hour with your host, Clinton Gregg. Make sure to subscribe. Let's go. Welcome back, guys. This is episode 28 of the College Sports Hour. Today, I'm your host, Clint McPherson. In today's episode, guys, I'll be running through a quick College Football Week 11 recap, just really focus on the two big games that we saw in Alabama at LSU and then Penn State and Minnesota, as well as talking about Alabama's playoff hopes, college football playoff hopes. Are they still alive or not? And then basically looking at a few of the big moves and big fires out of three of the power five coaches that we've had so far that up to date. So I want you to imagine and sit there and just look about it. Hey, what's up, Jordan, man? I see that you sent a wave in, brother. Appreciate you. Appreciate you tuning in. But I want you to just sit there and imagine a few things and think through a few things with me. Um, where this weekend, week 11, we saw that Coach O, Coach Ed um, Orgeron, basically outcoached and outmatched um, Nick Saban in Alabama this weekend, um, which was not shocking at all by the way they've been playing. We saw P.J. Flick and Minnesota just basically handle um, Penn State. Obviously, both of those teams making it real close at the end um, and showing some fight there, showing that, you know, the way they started wasn't going to be the way they finished that game. But, but right there at the end, you know, Penn State had a chance to win. You had Alabama getting back, right back into the game. So we had two great games, lived up to the hype. And I was pretty excited to see that, right? Also looking at the defending national champions and where they stand right now and how they still have a huge shot of making the college football playoff this year without even facing a single opponent likely to be ranked in the top 25, right? I mean, that's crazy when you think about it in Clemson. Um, look, Just think about another team right now that's um, undefeated still, finds themselves still undefeated, even though they've pulled out two close um, games back-to-back weeks, finishing 1-11 um, two years ago, and they find themselves among one of the final five unbeatens right now in the Baylor Bears, right? Or there's a scenario right now where you have Lovey Smith. He's going bowling this year, right? Um, what about SEC teams losing at home against San Jose State and Western Kentucky? I mean, in the same season, right? You also have Texas over the last two weeks, or last few weeks, um, pulling out last-second wins over two teams from Kansas, right? Where you have App State currently right now owning both North and South Carolina. I mean, that's just college football, guys. That's why I love college football, because it's just crazy, right? Um, Nobody wanted Coach O a few years ago. Nobody thought he should be the coach. But then you can see what kind of damage he can do 
uh, when you have a defense like they have, and then you got an offense just killing it, right? I mean, they have a Heisman front runner without a doubt on that side of the ball, so it's pretty big. Um, Jordan, hey man, if you're still on, what did you think about the games this weekend, dude? Craziness, right? So Saturday obviously was supposed to separate the cream from the crop, and I believe it did to a certain degree. Um, the results, however, on the other hand, I mean, really have shaken what we've known for the past several years in college football. The Alabama Crimson Tide right now losing like they did against LSU, which LSU is playing just out of this world right now. Um, when you look at it so early on in the season, it seems like Alabama's playoff hopes could possibly be on life support right now, right? I mean, that's when you start thinking about it being this early in the season. This was almost a must win to Alabama for Alabama. We'll get into this um, a little bit more because there's a lot that still has to play out for them to get in it. Yes, they might stay in the top four um, come tomorrow when the new rankings come out. But when you look at it, there's a lot of things that have to play out, out because one, LSU has three games that – they should not lose. They might. They could possibly lose one to Texas A&M, but they're definitely not going to lose all the two, two two games. So Alabama basically needs them to lose two out of the final three games for them to get and be able to play in the SEC championship. Which I, that's not happening. I'm just telling you right now, that's not happening. Right. So when you look at LSU's 46-41 victory this this past weekend in Alabama, I mean, again, like I said, it didn't come as a shock to me or probably anybody else in the nation. People saw it. Um, the writing was on the wall to a certain degree. So a lot of things that play that are playing that played out this year for Alabama. Um, they're, they're struggling a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, they got Tui Tagviola. He had ankle surgery several weeks ago, a few weeks ago actually. Um, so he was hobbled. His ankle heavily taped. Obviously, he's not 100% stiff yet, but. He did muster and throw it for 400 yards. But a lot of that, again, if you look at his completion percentage, you know, around 50% or less. And yes, he got some of them huge chunk plays downfield, but that's his game. That's what he does, right? So again, it's not a, to me, it wasn't a big thing that, that stood out. But when you look at LSU, they're good, just flat out good right now, right? Their offense is capable of just, making any defensive coordinator right now scratch your, scratch your head to figure out how to slow them down or stop them. Um, Jordan, I do agree. LSU did play better. Um, and then when you look at it, like I said, LSU, they have a Heisman candidate, probably the Heisman favorite right now as their quarterback. So they have a lot going in their favor, which is cool. But when you look at the whole logic behind LSU's march, when it came, when they went through Alabama, it still feels like, is this real, right? Because we've been so accustomed to seeing Alabama make the playoff. They've been participants in the college football playoff every year, to date since its birth, right? Are they done? We'll get into that in a little while, um, and we'll talk deeper into that. But, you know, when I look at it, I would say they are. But, man, the playoff committee does some crazy things. Like, for instance, throws Penn State up there, and then they get manhandled by Minnesota, even though they had a chance to win it in that game, Minnesota basically was rolling the boat the whole entire time. Going back to the LSU-Alabama game, right? Alabama gets punched in the mouth, fall behind 33-14, something along those lines. And But 
they showed a valiant effort, right, to get back into this game. Um, when you look at it, it also had a real impact of LSU's performance, though, because LSU, the Tigers, totaled 559 yards of offense in this game. That typically doesn't happen against Alabama, you know, the defenses, right? I mean, since 2014, though, which is which is this is a fun fact here. Um, it was basically that was most in in a win over a Nick Saban coach team to date, right? So when you look at it, Joe Burrow right now he's just transcendent. He's playing. He's probably the best quarterback in the game right now in college football. He looks like again he's he's on another level. His completion percentage is through the roof. He's over there throwing bullets, quick throws. Um, and Alabama, though, had no answer for that, right? He scrambled for crucial situa yardage situations when they needed it. Every time a play broke down, huge. You can't ask for more from a quarterback than what he's currently doing right now, right? So when you look at it, the cases to be made right now for the best coach in the SEC is, an, is again, like I mentioned just a little, while, a little while ago when we started this episode, is a guy that nobody wanted as their coach three years ago, right? There's a merry-go-round happening on Nick Saban's staff every year. You knew eventually something like this was going to catch up with them, right? They can't maintain that, that level of play year in and year out. Just, again, having that carousel of coaches come through the doors like they do. Again, Nick Saban probably going to go down as one of the greatest coaches of all time, if not the greatest coach of all time. But the last two big key games, marquee matchups, his team has out got schooled and outplayed. Clemson and LSU. I mean, just point blank, right? And so when you look at it, what isn't shocking is basically – well, that is shocking. Actually, I, I, no other words. That is a shocking fact, right? Alabama has given up 450 yards or more 15 times under Nick Saban. And six of those have basically happened since December 2015. Craziness. What's up, Brandon? What's up, HMG Heroes Media Group? Definitely crazy weekend, guys. Um, Defensive backfield has always been shaky in the exception of maybe one guy. True, true that, true that, dude. Um, but when you look at it, like I said, Alabama has only given, they've given up 450 yards or more only 15 times under Nick Saban. Whole time he's been the coach. And six of those, almost 50% of those games have came since December 2018. So when you look at it, when you've got somebody like Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers playing the way they did, Torching the tide like they did this weekend on offense on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, they gave up some points um, on defense, but the quarterbacks of the past five ranked opponents for them to face Alabama, they basically completed sixty percent of their passes. So, like Dude points out, the defensive backfield, the secondary right now for Alabama is weakness, right? Craziness, weakness, right? But at the end of the day, um. The quarterbacks of the past five ranked opponents, like I was saying, to face Alabama, they've completed 63% of their passes, but they've combined for nearly 2,000 yards and 15 total touchdowns with no interceptions. Crazy. Ridiculous. So all five have topped the 300-yard mark or more of offense during that time period. So, uh, 
I mean, again, mind-boggling numbers that you don't think or look at because Alabama has been so dominant on the offensive side of the ball. But at the end of the day, I mean, their defense is getting lit up from time to time. And most recently, um, it continues to do that. So that's where they're weak right now. Huge weakness for them. But they do have, um, given the youth they have up the middle, I mean, particularly on defense, it's actually not all that shocking to a degree. But when you look at it, nobody really pays attention to that type of stuff. Right? You're not hearing people talk about that week in and week out because Alabama is usually winning. So that's irrelevant. But now it's relevant because it poked his head up. Right, So then people start digging into these numbers. Like me, you start looking, you start reading articles, and you start seeing, geez, Alabama's getting lit up. right? Um, so when you look at it, let's switch over to the Minnesota game. And that was probably the most surprising to me. Um, was the scene in Minnesota and how crazy that was. I took a, I think I took a, a picture of it um, on my phone. I did a post on um, College Sports Hour Facebook page. I mean, it was just madness. The field, you could, I don't think you could see green. You know, the flood of people that were at that game to see basically history happen. I mean, they haven't been 8-0 or 9-0 since 1904 back in the day. So the Golden Gophers, are they they're coming out playing. They're rowing that boat. P.J. Flick has them boys playing the right way. Obviously, they almost coughed it up at the end of that game. The team that narrowly escaped South Dakota State, guys. Let me say that again. This is a team that earlier on in the year, their first four games were just a few points. They needed they – they narrowly, like I said, beat South Dakota State. But they utterly exposed what Penn State was about, and that was a disastrous secondary. I mean, pulling off that 31-26 upset, making history, um, crazy. Brand out a dude, I agree, man. Minnesota was on spot. It looked good, man. Um, but when you look at it, Penn State secondary is just garbage. Um, and and when you had Tanner Morgan throwing for more touchdowns than incompletions, I mean, he had three touchdown passes and he had two incompletions in the game. Anton Whitfield Jr. He picked off two passes, and then and then I don't know if y'all saw that video or or the, the after party where the coach PJ Flick he crowd surfed right in the locker room craziness took off his cleats whatever he had on his feet they flopped them off or whatever he's over there crowd surfing getting down so Minnesota currently right now is leading the country in party without a doubt I mean the boys are having fun but they've struggled first four games of the year I wouldn't have put them here. Coming into this game, I was like, it would be a good story if them boys win. But I don't see them doing it. Because, again, they've never done this before, right? It's crazy. They've won national championships before, but they've never been in a position like this. And with that big game like that, I mean, come on. It's just one of those crazy things, right? The losses Penn State and Alabama basically clarif helps me clarify the playoff picture for me enough for that, you know, when you have teams like Virginia Tech upsetting Wake Forest this past weekend, that basically erases Clemson's shot at beating a ranked team for the whole entire year. So, like I said, when you have a season where a defending national champion faces off, basically goes their whole season and doesn't face a ranked opponent, even though they're probably one of the still the best teams in the country. Yes, they struggled against North Carolina, but them boys can play. They play in the big time, right? Anytime it's like it's almost like Allen Iverson playoff practice, right? Practice, come on, man. But again, Clemson always has that one game where they struggle. 
Um, but when you look at it, they might not play a ranked team for the entire season. But they are they have been dominant after that game since when they struggled against North Carolina, pulled that off by by one point. They've been dominant. They beat NC State 55 to 10. You know, they probably don't have to worry about winning a beauty contest with the playoff selection committee being the defending national champions. But, you know, it's too bad because Dabo Sweeney, right, he wants to dominate the talent competition. I mean, he would prefer to play ranked teams. Obviously, he can't he can't help that Florida State's struggling. He can't help that Wake Forest just got upset against Virginia Tech. And so, some of these things playing out like they did, right? He plays Texas A&M out of the SEC. Actually, they play two SEC teams during the year, right? So he's they're not going around and um, scheduling scrubs. And people want to call Clemson out because they played Wofford a, a week or two ago. Look, go look at what Alabama has coming up, right? They always Nobody even says anything about that. But they have a scrub game coming up. I mean, come on, man. Everybody has FCS opponents, so why are you going to call out Clemson? Not call out Alabama. Hopefully, we'll see if that happens when it comes that late in the season. I mean, they get their scrub team like with two games left, right? So get get out of here. But when you look at it, Baylor right now, ranked 12th. They might be the team that is going to have the most complaints for the playoff selection committee, even though they've been struggling. But they didn't actually help their case at all this past weekend. Basically going three overtimes with TCU, but they pulled out the dub, right? They pulled out the victory. Baylor remains undefeated. They have a huge game coming up against Oklahoma um, this this coming weekend. And so wherever the season ends is basically going to be a long ways away from where Matt Rule and his team began. Like I said, they're a team that finished 111 two years ago. He inherited that program basically in just utter turmoil um, and has definitely turned them around. He's a good coach and got them boys playing at Baylor, which is pretty exciting, right? Hey, guys, if you're listening, give me a like. Give me a thumbs up, man. Let's keep this thing going. Um, and then I'll answer some of your questions towards the end. So when you look at it, um, speaking of some complaints, right, you have people like Chad Morris, fired, coach gone. I mean, they ended up getting demolished by Western Kentucky. And he's probably wasn't the only coach on the SEC hot seat, right? You got South Carolina's Will Muschamp hadn't been able to do anything, couldn't do anything at Florida, definitely ain't doing anything at South Carolina, um, and he might be on his way out as well. Um, even though he does have one of this um, year's or the season's most um, stunning upsets and beating Georgia, but still, Will Muschamp the garbage. Um, when but when you got a home defeat, he just I mean, talking about Will Muschamp and what happened and them beating Georgia, they just lost against App State, right? I mean, he'll need to pull off another stunner against Clemson in their season finale for them to even make a bowl. So it's gonna it's, it's not looking hopeful for them, right? Um, sad situation in Arkansas, definitely, my man, definitely. So then you look at Illinois, right? Just talked about Lovey Smith. If there's anything approaching some rock solid proof that this indeed is some sort of strange like universe currently in college football landscape, it's that alumni, right? What they're currently doing a month ago when you looked at that team, they're sitting at two and four. Every basically Lovey Smith and the alumni were left for dead come mid October. Um, but in a typical season, that's typically what they've done. That's that's them in a in a nutshell. But 
They ended up pulling off the win against Wisconsin, right? They ended up getting a last-second field goal to win it. They pulled – they followed by victories at Purdue. You're looking at beating Rutgers. And then another shocking come-from-behind win against Michigan State. I mean, look at that. Lovey Smith finds himself right in bowl eligibility. I mean, when you've got the alumni score 27 fourth-quarter points to erase a 31-10 to 10 deficit. And they took a 37 to 34 lead with five seconds left to become bowl eligible for the first time since 2014. That is crazy. And that's a little Ron Zook error magic, right? Basically, it's happening. So craziness in college football. Illinois is scrappy. Brandon definitely agreed. Um, felt bad for him. Always feel bad when the boy loses, right? But they lost. So when you look at it, College football continues to be wild like it is week in and week out. And Alabama's D, maybe in another timeline, maybe in another year is good. Illinois is bad. Again, in another year, another time. Ohio State is basically apologizing for wins or losses that they shouldn't suffer in the Big Ten. But right now, they're not having to do that. Again, crazy world. This is what's going on in our timeline right now, right? Um, so when you look at it, Coach O is magic. Minnesota has playoff hopes, college football playoff hopes. Undefeated last week, ranked 16th in the college football playoff selection committee, beating the number four Penn State team that the playoff selection committee throws in there. I mean, come on. They should be on the verge of knocking down that door any second. They just don't have a lot of um, – quality matchups coming up, right, outside of the championship game. Ohio State, obviously a 43-point favorite against Maryland on Saturday, and they took care of business, right? Um, for the Buckeyes, it took a little more than a half to cover the spread. I mean, they were up 42 to nothing at intermission. The boys are playing ball. Again, one of the most complete teams I've seen play all year. Haven't had much of a letdown at all, winning that game 73-14, to but who have they played, right? That's what everybody wants to know. Who have they played? So at the end of the day, you had Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor, getting back to another 200-yard game. He only had 52 yards against Ohio State a week ago, but he gets back where he needs to be. They beat Iowa's, Iowa's team um, 24-22 in that game. He racked up his ninth 200-yard game of his career, which is huge for him. Um Hokies, like I just mentioned, pulling off the upset of number 19 Wake Forest on Saturday, basically eliminating them. They're going to probably drop out of top 25 um, when they face off against Clem um, Clemson. So also another East Carolina pushing themselves um, or pushing SMU to the brink of that game and ultimately falling 59 to 51, but very close. ECU trying to play with them boys. Um, number 17, a week after nearly toppling number 17, Cincinnati, 46-43. Um, so the Pirates right now are having some last-second um, teams fall, and they're just sec they're just the second team in the past decade to score at least a combined 94 points in consecutive games and lose both of those games. Crazy, right? So let's look at the Heisman 5 right now, and I'll get to some of your questions after what I think about Iowa State. I'm not going to forget about you guys. Stay tuned in. We'll, I'll jump on here, but I want to go through this um, agenda real quick. And I want to talk about um, 
some of this stuff that's going on, right? So, so when you look at um, some of the teams are actually going into the Heisman five, who's your Heisman five right now? Who do you think should be there right now? Obviously, Joe Burrow, number one, without a doubt, what he's doing in week in and week out. I mean, you can't really um, go against the grain on that one. I mean, if you have somebody else outside of Ohio State's, um, Ohio State's boy that got just suspended or whatever, I mean, that's cool. But when you look at it, this is necessary. It's not necessary any longer, right? It looks like to me, at the same point last year, a year ago, you had Tui Tagaviola. You know, he looked like the sure thing for the Heisman Trophy, but then only for Kyler Murray to make a late charge and take it away and swipe the award at the last minute. You know, and then when you look at it, um, I could be getting ahead of myself without a doubt. The season's not over. Joe Burrow, LSU could tank. Um, but when you look at it, the quarterback, Burrow's 31 of 39 for 393 yards at Alabama. That's a Heisman line without a doubt. You can't go against that, right? So all I have to say is good luck to everybody that's below him. Um, but let's talk about a few of them, right? You got Joe Burrow. Um, then when you look at it, who, who do you have, who do you have after Joe Burrow guys? I mean, I don't even know who to put up there because when you look at it, it's very interesting. So I'm looking at Justin Fields, right? His team's, his, his team's doing work. Um, looking at. Who else? I don't know. I mean, Tua, number five, maybe. Hubbard from Oklahoma State, four. I mean, Jalen Hurts at three. Um, your guess is as good as mine. So that's probably my top five, right? Um, Burrow, Justin Fields, Hurts, Hubbard from Oklahoma State, and then possibly throwing in Tua. I mean, he's legit. You can't take that or take that away from or not deny that. But at the end of the day, it's pretty crazy. Let's talk about three of the coaches, though, that have got the boot. I agree. Justin Fields and Jay Taylor. Yeah, I can see that. Jalen Hurts for sure. Jordan. Yes, I agree that. Um, yeah, I'm not impressed with Tua. But man, you gotta look at what he's what he's been battling too. Dude ha keeps having to have ankle surgery. I mean, he can throw the deep ball. He's gonna get the love again. He's an, on an Alabama team, probably one of the greatest quarterbacks that actually played for them, um, with the statistics and stuff. Old boys putting up. So I agree. Burrow stays healthy. Definitely be the first quarterback drafted. I mean, I can't argue with that, guys. I mean. That straight up right now, there who has who else has done a Heisman worthy performance to date this year, outside of LSU beating four teams in the top ten. Show me, show me a resume on another college football team right now that has done that. Nobody, you can't, you can't do that. You can't show that to me. Period. Um. So let's just get onto it. So we got three coaches right now. Moving on, you got Arkansas firing Chad Smith, right? He was 14 and 18 overall since replacing Brett 
back in December 2017. And he is winless, though, in 14 games, SEC games. Winless in 14 SEC games. That ain't going to keep you a job, period. Um, so, unfortunate for him. Yes, rebuilds don't happen overnight, but we are in the now, right? Everybody wants to win. Um, and so, but when you come in as a coach, you've got to figure out a way to win, win a conference game. And you did not win one. That's crazy. Move on to Willie Taggart. We already talked about him last week. He gets the boot after just 21 games. So he's another coach that didn't have a lot of time to develop um, his squad. Taggart went 9-12 and 12 in those games, right? Now Florida State's looking for a new coach for the second time in the last two years. What's next for the Knowles? Who knows? Bob Stoops, Mark Stoops. Marcus Campbell, you know, Mike Norvell, who knows? Um, nobody knows yet. I, the word on the street, though, which doesn't mean much, Bob Stoops being the coach, Kendall Bryle staying offensive coordinator, and then uh, was it Mark Levitt being the defensive coordinator. I think that can work, but Bob Stoops is going to want some money. Because, I mean, to come back and do what he did outside of his job, of the job that him he wanted for Notre Dame, that's the only way he would come back to coach, you're going to have to pay old boy some cash. Boosters are going to have to dig in the pockets for that to come out. But let's look at Rutgers firing Chris Ash, right? It's the first season, first coaching domino that fell this, this season for the top, the Power Five teams. Um, you know, that happened back on September 29th, following his one and three start. Eight and thirty-two ain't gonna cut it. And then three seasons, even though Rutgers, they're not known to to win a whole bunch of games, but man, eight and thirty-two, just just some coaching hot seats going on, man. You got to figure out a way to win some of these games. But when you look at it, Alabama's brand. Let's talk about let's let's ask this question. I think, dude, I agree with you, man. I think I think FSU does have the bread to pay him. I think they just. You know, I know they're going to be paying Willie Taggart an installment, so it's not like old boys getting twenty million right up front. Um, so that's going to be paid over a certain amount of time. But at the end of the day, you look at it. My big question is, and I posted it on Facebook. I did a poll on our Facebook College Football um, Sports Hour or College Sports Hour Facebook page and asked, "Is Alabama out of it?" Right? With their schedule to date, they haven't really played anybody outside of LSU. So they missed out on a marquee win right there. They're probably not getting an SEC championship game or like almost definitely not getting an SEC championship game because of what LSU's doing. Um, so they're going to miss out on a chance there to play in their own conference and win the conference. Um, so, but the remaining schedule does not really do anything for them outside of Auburn. Who says Auburn's going to be where they are when they play, right? So, is Alabama is there is playoff chances on life support? I believe so, right? Um, they have the brand Alabama from doing what they've done the past several years under Nick Saban. Alabama has a tradition, right? They have the coach to go along with the clout. Um, they have the respect from the playoff selection committee for what they've done over the past past several years. But look, guys. We're in the now. We're in today. You can't start looking and talking about the what ifs, right? When you look at the resume, you start putting it on paper. 
what happened? They lost in the big game. Auburn may beat Georgia, dude. I believe it. I believe it, man. I mean, Georgia's D, though. Georgia's D is nice. So I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to. But losing to South Carolina, what? So I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't put it past Auburn winning that game. Um, so, but when you look at it, for the first time in six seasons, guys, the Crimson Tide might not have what it takes to finish in the top four. They've been in the top four every year since the playoff, the, the college football playoff started. They've been there. So again, this is like some weird alternate reality that we're living in right now, I feel. But I knew eventually it was going to catch up with them, right? Coaching carousel, and it, it, it just had to happen. They're going to lose a game. Not a, Every team's not perfect, but they've figured out a way to play with some far less superior athletes on the offensive side of the ball, at least at quarterback, right? Until you got Jalen. Um, couldn't make it work with him. Put two in, and then Jalen goes off to Oklahoma and does what he does. Dude is a beast. And so when you look at after them losing at home Saturday, they lost their only opportunity, like I said, to dazzle anybody in the playoff selection committee. With that would have been a blockbuster win. That would have that would have sealed the deal, right? As long as they went to the to their conference championship and won it. They could have probably lost that and still made it in. But now they they're behind the eight ball. And and like I said, they have, almost have no chance to win. And I say that because the only way they can win the SEC, they need, one, to win out. Two, they need the LSU Tigers, right? I mean, just tell me if you think this is a reality or, or if it's a possibility. Not reality, but a possibility. The Tigers have to lose two of their final three games. And let's, let's talk about who they play for this to even be possible. They play a 4-6 and six Ole Miss team. They play a 2-8 and eight Arkansas team. And they play a six and three Texas A&M team, right? I can see them possibly losing to Texas A&M um, if the stars align. But Jimbo Fisher can't win the big game in SEC, so probably not losing that. But Ole Miss and Arkansas, those are for sure dubs for LSU, no doubt. Well, I mean, come on, man. I don't even know. I don't even know if if they could. They could probably smash anybody they play for the rest of the year. It's just not happening. Um, dude, I just they they can win out, right? They can do it, but it's just not happening. Because well, let's talk about why, right? They don't they'll be without a conference championship, obviously, if LSU goes and takes care of just two out of their last three SEC games. They'll again, like you said, have to have no hiccups, dude, no close calls, and unequivocally convince the playoff committee and the country that they're one of the four best teams. But I just don't see that happening after what just happened this past weekend, right? It's a tall task without a doubt. But their next three games, five lost Mississippi State team. How, how long? Mississippi State's not good. So that Alabama win, no matter if it's by 100, whatever, right? Then they got to play FCS West Carolina. Okay? And then they, then they finish with Auburn. I'll give you that. That's a, that's a tough matchup, um, which could give them a run for the money. And the Tide can lose that one easily. Um, but I don't see them losing that game. I think they pull the, that, that game off, and I see them winning out. But I don't see them convincing anybody um, at the end of the day that with, with all of that going against them that they're going to be, you know, one of the top four teams in the nation at the end of the day. But I just don't think all that stuff stacked against them just – it doesn't help, right? When you have LSU, on the other hand, 
they made a great case to jump Ohio State. And maybe should be in front of Ohio State before. Um, when you look at it, when Tuesday's rankings comes out, it's going to be interesting to see who the top four is and then where Minnesota's at, right, after all that chaos happened. Also have to look at if Alabama might drop out of the number uh, number four spot as the highest one-loss team. Who knows? But when you look at it, the playoff committee says they don't look ahead. So, but as our job, you know, sports make it interesting. I like looking ahead, right? Um, so the playoff committee, talking about the college football playoff committee, their, their job is to basically take a blank sheet of paper at the end of at the end of the day, keep an open mind and talk about what each team's strengths and weaknesses are um, from opening day to this specific point in time, right? Can't look ahead to who they're playing. Um, but at the end of the day, it's one of those things that it's going to be interesting to see the criteria that these guys keep following and, and what they keep doing with these teams. Um, there's 13 people on that playoff selection committee. Um, things definitely change when it comes to, you know, the championship weekend when talking about the college football championships, um, the conference championships come around when the final piece of the resume is put in place. Um, and it's just, it's crazy because they're supposed to, they're required to follow a protocol that's been enforced and put in place. Um, but who knows if they really go by what they say they go by strength of schedules, obviously one head to head competition championships won they must be specifically applied to tiebreakers against teams that look similar so again going back to alabama when alabama was that one team that could win out they're in trouble i mean i just want to stress it if the committee deems alabama similar to the winners of out of the pac-12 or the big 12 right i mean forcing them to use top it's most likely going to force them to use the tiebreaker. And when you look at it, that's not in Alabama's favor at all. Um, when you had each of the past three seasons, though, the committee has chosen a top four team that didn't win a conference title. So they do have a little bit of hope. But those four teams were Ohio State in 2016. You had Alabama in 2017, I believe, and Notre Dame in 2018. So while those storylines are referred to and, and still are debated, whether some of those teams should have got in or not, it's been the norm, right? Because as at a as seventeen out of seventeen of the past twenty um, teams to make the college football playoffs, they've been conference champions. So that goes heavily in your favor if you're a conference champion, unless you're at even though there's Power Five conferences not really viewed that way to to a large scale with how the SEC has been viewed in the last several years, but. In 2017, Alabama, they ended up finishing number four despite losing to Auburn um, and actually not winning the SEC West. But they that year, they did have two ranked wins, right? So against LSU was one of them in Mississippi State when Mississippi State was had that, you know, once-in-a-lifetime year. This season, though, if, the, if Alabama wins out, like I said, Auburn would be the only ranked opponent they beat all year. Um, so an important part of the debate, though, when you start looking at the one-loss teams, you're looking at Alabama, you're looking like a team like Oregon. Um, 
that could be arguing for that fourth spot. I mean, Auburn is their common opponent, right? And so Oregon loses um, to Auburn earlier in the year, 27-21, in the season opener. Um, and so that right there, in addition to winning out in convincing fashion, though, Alabama's playoff hopes, again, they would increase dramatically if Oklahoma loses and the Pac-12 um, produces a two-loss conference champion. So, but again, all these cards have to play out right for Alabama, which they could possibly do. But it's going to so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But Alabama is the only program in the country that has finished in the top four every season since the college football playoff has been in existence, right? Um, and so, but after this loss against LSU, man, I don't know if that streak is going to continue. So, but. It's not for me to determine. The playoff selection committee will do that, I believe, on December 8th. Um, but let's look at who's number one at the end of the day. Right? At the, after week 11, who's number one? How are they going to view the number one team in the nation? Right? Ohio State, again, was a team that they put number one coming into this week because of their overall consistent, dominant play all year. I mean, they've been strong week in and week out on both sides of the balls on offense and defense. Um, and then they didn't show anything otherwise in the 73, 73 to 14 win this past weekend. Right. Um, so, but when you look at LSU, they have a huge argument because they've beat the committee's number three team in Alabama. They've beat, um, their number 10 team in Florida and they've beat the number 11 team in Auburn. So, oh, I agree, Brandon. Dude, definitely. LSU better be number one, but we'll see. Because it's like when you place a team at the number one spot and then they didn't do anything but smash another team, 73 to 14, come on. Um, but you also look at LSU, they have that good road win. I, even though Texas is 6-3, and three, Texas was ranked at the time, it, and they're 6-3 and three right now. They're obviously not back, like their quarterback said last year. Um, but, again, it was a road win, and Texas is not a chump team. It's also going to be interesting to see how high Minnesota climbs. And I'm just very interested to see how this plays out for them and, and how much love the, the selection committee gives them, right? Because in the history to date of the college football playoff rankings, no team has jumped more than six spots into the top 10. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But Minnesota sitting, sitting at number 16 coming into this week, they have a, chance, a huge chance to change that, especially how the playoff committee viewed Penn State, right? And so when you look at it, maybe they jump, jump up to, to number nine, number 10, maybe higher. I don't know. Tell me, where do you think Minnesota is going to be after this week? I mean, or this weekend, beating the number four team in the nation. Um, and very, they had to hang on by the hair of their teeth. But at the end of the day, it's like, look, they won. They did something not many people thought they were going to do. Um, and magic happened over there in Minnesota. And it was a monumental win for them, without a doubt. I mean, like I said earlier in this episode, when you look at it, this is a Minnesota team that beat South Dakota State 28-21. They needed double overtime earlier in the year to beat Fresno State. And they beat Georgia Southern 35-32. Crazy. I like, I like that dude, 7-8. Okay, I feel it. I can feel that. I'm I'm not gonna get mad wherever they put them, but they do need they do deserve respect. If you're gonna give Penn State love and put them at four because of what what have they done? I don't think they've done anything this year to deserve the four spot. But hey, 
I mean, when you look at it, Minnesota hadn't gotten any love because of those four the wins I just mentioned. But Penn State was the first-ranked opponent that the Gophers had faced all season. So it's not like they've been going mowing through teams like LSU has. Um, but it was a huge step for Minnesota and a huge step in the right direction to get them where they need to be, right? It's not going to be – it might not be enough to overcome their schedule, though. Like I'm saying, it's pretty weak. And I don't see at the end of the day, even if they go undefeated, that they're going to really be a huge push for the top four right now. Um, and, and that could change, though. Teams are going to fall. College football season's not over. But if Minnesota wins out, even though that's a tough task, and I don't see that happening, with victories, they're going to have to beat Iowa. They're going to have to beat Wisconsin. They're going to have to beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, most likely. Um, then we can start talking playoff for them, right? Then it means, hey, these boys are for real. Um, but when you look at it, at the end of the day, can the Big Ten still get two teams in? That's another question to ask, right? It's possible but very not likely um, at all right now because you got Penn State, you got um, teams like, well, Penn State, um, you got, who is it? Help me out, Minnesota. And then it's just like, how, how does that play out for them? I mean, it's going to be crazy because let's look at it. Let's look at how this could play out for the Big Ten, okay? When you got a combination of Penn State winning out, say they say Penn State wins out the rest of the year, you got Minnesota finishing undefeated. Say that happens, and or an Ohio State finished undefeated with one loss. So there's, there's there are different scenarios that wouldn't play out altogether. But Penn State could win out for the rest of the year. Minnesota could finish undefeated, and Ohio State could finish undefeated as well, or with one loss. The first scenario that I mentioned about Penn State. They're running the table and avenging their home loss against the regular only regular season loss against Minnesota. Is that enough to sway the um, the committee in their favor? Right, they're one a one loss Penn, Big Ten champion Penn State, a one loss runner up Minnesota, a one loss Ohio State. Who do they pick? Do two of them get in like the SEC? Probably not. But at the end of the day, it's still a possibility, and it's cool to entertain that fact. Um, and the committee will not allow that. Not at all, man. It, you have to be from the SEC, I believe, to qualify. That's another qualifier. SEC only can get two teams in. But we'll see. It's going to be funny to see how it plays out. It's going to be interesting, guys. But I just wanted to go through that quick quick recap. Um, thanks for getting on. Let's. How about let's answer some questions. Let me open it up for some questions. What do y'all got for me? I mean, what did y'all? How did y'all think about this weekend? Was crazy. I mean, dude, did you see it playing out like it did? Did you see Alabama getting smacked in the mouth like they did right off the cuff? I mean, thirty going down 33-14, then finding a way to fight back and get in there. I mean, that was huge. Then I just – how everything came was like a perfect storm for, for Minnesota. I didn't see Minnesota with their close victories this year. I basically judged them on what they did at the beginning of the year, which I'm sure that's why they were ranked 16th coming into this matchup. But again, over the last several weeks, them boys have came to play week in and week out, and it hasn't changed. Um, let me scroll through some of these comments real quick and see what we got. Appreciate you guys engaging, man. FSU won, won there's there is hope, John. Without a doubt, man, FSU did pull it off. Oh, Coach Odell Higgins, man, I love that guy. Um, I hope to a certain degree, 
I mean, am I wrong in saying that he deserves a look at being the head coach? He's been with Florida State for 29 years. He's been there when we've been dominant. He's been there when we've struggled. He's been there to love the kids through thick and thin. Coach O is a good coach. He's, he has a good heart. Um, and yes, he hasn't done anything as an actual head coach. But if anybody deserves opportunity outside of somebody like Bob Stoops or anything, especially on Florida State sideline, I believe it's Coach Odell. But the question is, does he want to coach Florida State? Right. Some some coaches are fine being assistant. Some want, don't want that role or that pressure. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and who we actually go after. Obviously, Florida State said they're going after a big fish. I'm not saying Odell's not a big man, but I don't know when you refer to a big fish. What does that mean? Right. Somebody that's done something right. Hashtag Willie Taggart do something. Um, same thing. It's like. I think the big fish means they're going after somebody that's that's ranked. But Florida State pulled off that win. And somebody you got to give a shout-out to, I mean, DJ Matthews, huge play. Huge play. Number seven, threw the ball, threw the rock to him when we needed him. Right when Boston College came back to tie that game up, it looked like all the momentum was in their favor. And just a few plays later, old boy takes it to the house. I think it was like the second play on that drive. Took the lead for good for Florida State, and it was huge, huge win for them because obviously they got Alabama State coming up, which they should definitely win to to make them bowl eligible, and then possibility of going up against a Florida State team or a Florida team that's pretty good. Obviously, you know it gives us hope going into that matchup that we can win that game. I really don't think the representation of that team and the way they played against Miami was what we were as a team. I mean, we are. In Florida State's utter chaos to a certain degree over the last two years. But building a winning program takes bringing in a coach that knows how to win. Nothing against Willie Tiger, like I said in the previous episode, good guy. But when you come in having a losing record at a big program like that, I mean, come on, man. I'd rather have started with somebody again like Odell that's never been a head coach in a game, period. Um, before you go find somebody that, you know, struggled to have a 500 record during obviously the teams he's played for or coached for Western Kentucky, South Florida and w Willie Taggart I'm talking about. Um, and then Oregon, you know, seven to five at Oregon. It's just, what did he do? Not much. So I'll, let me get off that soapbox. I pushed that too for too long anyway before. Um, but guys, I really appreciate everybody listening to episode 28 of the College Sports Hour. I'm going to make it more of like engagement. So if you want to chime in, if you want to talk, let's do the talking. Um, dude, I like Stoops. FSU does have the bread. If Burrow stays healthy, he will win the Heisman and be the first quarterback drafted. I agree, brother. Um, Jalen Hurts, Jordan Johnson, I like that, man. I, you know, you got to throw them in. Jonathan Taylor definitely has to be in the conversation, dude, um, being a Heisman the yards he puts up when you when you have a game like he did against Ohio State and he only gets 52 yards that kind of hurts your your Heisman candidacy you know when you you don't you, you don't have the rock every play like a quarterback or you know when when you're a defender you're able to impact the play every time um yes Jonathan Taylor can block whatever dude's a beast i agree but you can't have 52-yard games like he did um, and, and then just pop back in 
right? Having this ninth, um, ninth game over 200 yards, definitely no small feat. But I really like some of the some of the the contenders as far as Burrow. You're looking at um, that w- that we mentioned, Jalen Hurts, definitely. Um, Jay Taylor, you can throw him in the top five if you want. I can't can't dispute that. Justin Fields, number two at least at a minimum from what he's done. Um, dude is impressive, young and impressive. So guys, I appreciate everybody jumping on and listening, and I and I can't thank you enough for listening to episode 28 of the College Sports Hour. Make sure to check us out at collegesportshour.com and support us by listening to us through our website or the Radio Public app. College Sports Hour can be heard on any podcast app out there. However, I recommend listening in the Radio Public app. It's a pretty cool feature. Make sure to like and follow us on Facebook if you haven't yet. And like always, guys, I want to give a special shout out to my friends and family. Like, dude, played ball with you, man. Love you, guy. I love everybody that interacts. HMG, thank you for hosting the podcast. Um, Jordan, thanks for jumping on. Let me go down the list. John Cordell, thanks for jumping on, my man, and interacting. Jordan Johnson, appreciate you, man. You're one of the first ones to chime in. Give me a wave. I appreciate it, guys. But at the end of this, hit the like. Hit the love. Hit, give me, get, Just give me some love, man. I love all of y'all. Thank you for your time. Thanks for continuing to support what we do over here. I want to continue this conversation going on. You'll hear me, Greg. You'll see us coming through from time to time talking about I'll be focusing on college football. Greg's going to be focusing more on college basketball. And again, I have to push his episode out, episode tw- which will be episode 27, which he talked last week about, you know, the college football opening night uh, or college basketball opening night, which was huge. But guys, thank you so much. I appreciate each and every one of you. And y'all have a great day. Peace. Yeah, this is the College Sports Hour. We got Clint and Greg uh, dropping episodes yeah, every week. It's yeah. so hype, better believe. Uh-huh. Make sure that you tune in. It's the real deal and I ain't lying. From NCAA to college football on that gridiron. What's good? Yeah, should be understood. In March, we going mad, so stick tuned. Let's get to it. Join that conversation, because you know they keep it rolling. Watching the bases loaded. They love baseball, and you know this. Hey, this is the College Sports Hour. Where it's going down at College Sports Hour. Welcome to the podcast with your host Clinton Gregg. You don't want to miss this. Yeah. Giving you the info and plenty opinions. Yeah. yeah. Ready? Then let's get it popping with a former college athlete and a guy who went to college. <laughs> sports, they know all about it. If you love college sports, then you couldn't live without it. Let's go. The College Sports Hour with your host Clinton Gregg. Make sure to subscribe. Let's go.